Section five of War Letters from a Young Queenslander by Robert Marshall Allen. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Second of March, nineteen fifteen. The following day, I resumed my old post as a billeting officer and rode about twenty-two miles in all to our new area. I enjoyed the exercise, though I was very stiff. One gets so little chance of decent exercise. When up at the trenches, one of course gets none. Back here it is not much better, for the roads are blocked by motor traffic and the country is not very inviting. The day began fairly well, then it snowed heavily, and finally sleet. In all, one could not have been much more uncomfortable. We all arrived very tired and out of temper, and the poor billets did not improve matters. The next morning was snowing, and then fine. As usual, the period of resting was to be for me one of hard work, much more so than when further up. The division arranged a beautiful scheme on paper, and left me to carry it out. I suppose I should take it as a compliment that while the other brigades have appointed majors, and of course regulars, to look after the baths, I was given charge of my brigade. We searched everywhere for a suitable spot, and found none. The village was crammed full of troops, and there was no central spot for bathing. Eventually I had to leave that to the regiments, and contented myself with the washing and issuing of clean kits. For this I got one of the schoolhouses. Then I saw the mayor, and arranged for a gendarme to go round and beat up all the women who would wash. When eleven turned up at the Mary, we discussed prices, and arrived at a flat rate of ten centimes, one penny, per garment, I to supply soap, soda, and undertake drying the clothes. I made one room of the schoolhouse my storeroom. The other was hung with ropes, and used as a drying room heated by coke braziers. The method of procedure is as follows. Regimental carts come up daily, and I give out clean sets, shirt, vest, drawers, and socks, and they return later with dirty ones in exchange. These are put in the steriliser and steam-heated, and so rendered less lively. My natives then make them up into sets. The washerwomen take away as many as they like, and return them the next day. They are then hung up to dry in this room, outside if fine, and above the boilers in an oil-cake factory nearby. Today was fine, and outside the schoolhouse every tree and fence and clothesline was adorned. Then they are bundled up ready for issue. All this sounds easy, but in practice it is a great worry. First of all, I had to wait a long time for my supplies of soap, soda, and coal. Regiments groused to the general that I was not giving them enough, but he knew my difficulties and took my part. But I have also two other side shows to keep me out of mischief. Our ambulance has been divided temporarily into two sections, and the one remaining here has made me mess president. That means going out for provisions, etc. Then headquarters presented me yesterday with a new preparation, vermigelli and asked me to report on its value. It looks like axle grease, and is supposed to kill lice and fleas, and makes you proof against them. I seized the nearest native, and found on him plenty of material for experiment. Rubbing on the jelly certainly kills the lively lads. Then I tried a solution, and soaked shirts in it. The beggars were apparently dead, and I hung up the shirts to dry, when they promptly came to life again. Finally I made the native bathe, and then anointed him all over, giving him clean underclothing and his old tunic, which had been treated well. Now I am watching to see how long he will remain proof. Such is the way I feel in a day here. It is certainly doing something, and I get no rest the whole day long. I don't quite see where the medicine and surgery come in, but it is my job. I needn't complain of monotony. The weather is showing a decided improvement. We get beautiful blue skies and a strong drying wind. The nights are moonlight also at present. What a change to the last couple of months! But this waterlogged region could do with a month of Queensland summer. Ninth of March, nineteen fifteen. 
I am still busy with the washing arrangements. Things went along quickly once we got into the swing of affairs. However, I have learned by this how long it takes to dry woolens. In fact, I am rapidly qualifying for an expert laundryman. Today we received orders to close down, and tomorrow we move up closer again. There is a bustle in the air, and all day very heavy firing has been going on. I suspect a lot, and I think that before long the stagnation of the winter will have given way to fiercer slaughter than anything we have had so far. We all recognise that April and May will be bad months. The weather has been extremely cold again, and snow has fallen, but on the whole it is drier and sunnier. Up to this I haven't given you a detailed account of how the RAMC works. The first link in the chain is the stretcher-bearers. In peace times, these are the bandsmen, who get special instructions. Each regiment has about sixteen of these. They may stay up in the trenches with their companies, or else remain behind with the medical officer handling the wounded. When a casualty occurs, they apply the first aid dressing and also iodine to the wound. At first they did not carry iodine, but now they always do so. Then the wounded man is brought back by night, I'm speaking of the conditions of trench warfare, to the regimental aid post. Here is the medical officer. The aid post is some building behind the trenches, at a varying distance from 200 to 1,000 yards. While out of the rifle fire, it is usually well within the range of shells, as I found out some weeks ago. The medical officer may or may not redress the wound. The less it is interfered with, the better. He usually contents himself with giving the man a warm drink. Tea is always on, and often some soup. In addition, the wounded get morphia. As far as operations go, practically none are done, because there are no facilities for them. Beyond setting fractures under anaesthetics and controlling hemorrhage by tourniquet, nothing is attempted. The next link is the field ambulance. They are mobile units, and stay up in some village about four miles or so behind the firing line. In the British Army the transport is motor, but we in the Indian have to rely on the old horse wagons. We hope soon to remedy this. At regular hours, day or night, the ambulance comes up to evacuate the aid posts. A medical officer goes with them and looks after the wounded. This part of the chain is often the most dangerous. We have to go down roads swept by bullets, and shells often quite accidentally, I am sure, find us or go pretty near. Wagons come to some spot where they can shelter, and the stretchers are taken by a party down to the aid post. The ambulance is stationed usually in a schoolhouse or a large barn. Here for the first time can operations be performed under fairly aseptic or antiseptic conditions. The wounded are entered and classified, their wounds redressed, and then they get a warm drink, and get put to sleep. Any urgent operations are also performed. The next stage is to the casualty clearing station, and this is always at railhead in some town. Each station is the centre for several ambulances. Motor cars come out and evacuate the cases from the ambulances. In fact, these places are really glorified field ambulances, with bigger and better accommodation, and at a railway. This is the furthest up a nurse can go. The men are redressed here if necessary, but more important they get bathed and cleaned up. On account of this they are usually known as cleaning stations. If you could see the condition of the poor fellows, you would understand how this term arose. Then comes the ambulance train, a magnificent hospital, and a quick and gentle transit down to the base. That brings us to the general and stationary hospitals, with every convenience known to civilization. From there they are sent by hospital ships home. That is a rough outline of the way we send back casualties. For the sick men it may be different. Each regimental doctor sees his sick and determines who must go back. They then reach the field ambulance where all those likely to get better in three days are kept. The others go to the clearing station and are kept a fortnight. If not better they go to the base and are then drafted in groups for home or for the convalescent camp from where they return to duty. 
the scheme works well and there is no doubt that we have the best medical cause of any of the belligerents this war has completely upset all the book instructions gathered from the south african war end of section five